Hi, this is Jay Webb for International Gospel Hour. We're so glad you decided to listen to our program today. Our intent is to inform you and to encourage you. This is Are You Listening? with Jeff Archie of International Gospel Hour. In a busy world with lots of distractions, we need to pay closer attention to God. Are you listening to God's Word today? Here's Jeff. Thank you and greetings everyone. And again, welcome to the International Gospel Hour. I'm glad you've joined us today. And I'd like for you to consider a discussion concerning the church. You know, when you drive anywhere, you'll see a number of buildings that will say church. Now, their description may be different of the type of church they might be, but you find the term church in a lot of places. And you know, when we talk about the church, here are a couple of things that I find of interest that as the discussion begins, initially an individual will believe the following two things. Number one, that the idea of religion or church is from God. Usually as a discussion begins, someone will say, well, yeah, the idea of church would come from God. It's all religion. Now, sometimes when you get into deeper discussions and then you begin to say, well, now, wait a minute, let's look at this, you may find a little variance there. Now, again, initially. Secondly, the Bible is the only book that can make a 100% claim that it is God's Word. Other books may make that claim, but when you begin to look at them closer, they don't quite match up. If you ask a person, just curious, do you believe the Bible is the Word of God? The average person will answer yes. So all we can do here at the International Gospel Hour is take the Bible and the Bible alone and to see what God has to say about the church. You know, if you look in a telephone book, which a lot of us seldom do nowadays because we go online or we use our uh, our iPhones or our Android devices or whatever the case might be, and if we do a quick search to find a number or a quick search, if we put, say, church in a search engine or even look in a type of reference for phone numbers or to see what is available in that town, folks, you'll find thousands of churches, even close to million references. Let's ask some questions here. Are they all right? Is every church right? Are they all saying the same thing? Is one church as good as another? And how does one find the right church? There's a lot of confusion out there, dear friends. But you know, the Bible tells us that God is not the author of confusion. He's the author of peace. How does one find the right church? I'd like for you and I to look at the Bible, and let's see what the Bible has to say concerning the church that we read about in the Bible. As we begin, would you consider with me that when we look in the Bible, we find that the church was purposed by God. Ephesians, the third chapter, beginning with verse 10, says, "...to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord." The church was purposed in Christ Jesus." 
purposed in eternity before time began. How beautiful to see how the church was purposed or laid out carefully. Before God said, let there be light in eternity, that eternal purpose that tells us that God said the church would come forth in Jesus Christ. Listen to the words of Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead, and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Oh, I love these texts. These texts that tells us how that the precious blood of Christ is the redeeming blood. We're going to study that in a future broadcast concerning the church. But also how that he was brought forth without blemish and without spot, pure, the absolute best that God could give. But then we find that phrase that he was foreordained before the foundation of the world. That ties in with Christ being the eternal purpose of God by which would come forth the church that we read of in the Bible. Oh, how beautiful this is to just unveil, dear friends. Then I love the latter part of verse 21, who by him do believe in God. Why do we believe in God? Well, here's one indication that he raised up Christ from the dead. That when we see the power of him raising up Christ from the dead to live again, none others have been raised from the dead. Well, Lazarus was, we could say, from John chapter 11, but yet he died again. But how God could bring forth his son out of the tomb, that is a faith and a power in which we rely. The Bible says here in verse 21 of 1 Peter 1 that God gave him glory, that our faith and our hope might be in God. Dear friends, on the broadcast of the International Gospel Hour, we want to encourage each listener to make certain that our faith and our hope rest in God and not ourselves. The church we read about in the Bible was purposed by God. Notice something second. While the church was in the mind of God, that church was also brought forth through the prophets of God. Now we're going to move from purpose to the church we read about in the Bible was prophesied by the prophets of God. We now refer to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is probably quoted more in the New Testament than any other book of the Old Testament, with maybe the exception of the Psalms. Isaiah was called the Messianic prophet, which means he would prophesy concerning the Messiah that would come. And the prophecies of Isaiah concerning the Christ were fulfilled in the life of Christ. But let's go to Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, and watch this beautiful, beautiful, if you will, prophecy of the church. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains, 
and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Now, this prophecy of Isaiah, about 700 to 750 years later, what did Jesus say in Luke 24, 44 through 47? I want you to notice how much we read about the church and what would come forth and the teaching. In Luke 24, beginning with verse 44, Jesus said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Notice he said, all things must be fulfilled which were written in the prophets. That means what Isaiah penned about Christ would be fulfilled. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. In verse 45 of Luke 24, Jesus wanted them to comprehend the Scriptures. As he taught further, the Scriptures are referred to the Law of Moses, the Prophets, and the Psalms. And Jesus said, Understand these things. And he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and arise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Isn't that what Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 2 and verse 3? Then he goes on to say how that they are witnesses of these things. He would send the Father, or the promise of his Father upon them, the apostles, But he told them to tarry in the city of Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high. Now again, this reading is Luke 24, verses 44 through 49. Notice how Jesus said that repentance and remission of sins would be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. We go back to Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 we find the word of the Lord would go forth from Jerusalem. We find the mountain of the Lord's house would be established. Isn't it interesting, folks, when you look at 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15, Timothy was told by Paul that if he tarried long, if Paul tarried long, that Timothy would know how to behave himself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. You see, Isaiah, the prophet of old, brought forth and indicated to us there would be teaching that would come forth from Jerusalem and how the mountain of the Lord's house would be established. And we find where his house is called the church. I take us back now to Luke 24 in verse 49 to where the apostles were told to tarry in the city or remain in the city of Jerusalem until the power would come from up on high. When you now turn from Luke 24 into Acts chapter 1 and verses 9 through 11, we see that they did return to Jerusalem as Jesus commanded. 
The first part of Acts chapter 1 speaks how Jesus ascended into heaven. He had left them. What he had taught them, especially at the end of Matthew, the end of Mark, the end of Luke, and the end of John, that instruction continued as we see in Acts the 11th, or rather Acts the first chapter, verses 1 down through about verse 8. Then the apostles went back to Jerusalem as the Lord commanded. What a beautiful study of the gospel accounts, that they all, although there are four different written gospels from the standpoint Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all blend together as one, and they do not contradict. Throughout Acts, the second chapter, we find where those apostles on the day of Pentecost, how the word of the Lord was coming forth from Jerusalem, they were right there, and there were those that heard, according to Acts 2 and verse 11, the wonderful works of God. And they heard it in their own language. They had come from many nations. Remember, all nations shall flow unto the mountain. That all nations had flowed to Jerusalem, and they were hearing the wonderful works of God in their own language as the apostles were preaching. The preaching of Jesus Christ in Acts the second chapter pricked their hearts, or if you will, it struck them in the heart when we see Acts 2 and verse 37, when they said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? They were asking a question because they were pricked in their heart. The message had hit them in their heart. It affected them. Dear friends, have you ever had a message affect you to where you hear it and it touches your heart and there's like a guilty feeling? There is a feeling that, look, this is affecting me and I've got to make some changes. It could be a doctor giving you some diagnoses that... You need to change your diet because you're dealing with something. Or you may have to look at surgery or something. There are times we hear messages that we don't want to hear, but we hear them for our good. On the day of Pentecost, those Jews from all nations came together, and they heard the message of the Christ that pricked them in their hearts to where they wanted to make a change. And they said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter answered them in Acts 2 and verse 38. And he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He responded to them of what they should do, to repent and be baptized in the name of Christ. Now watch this. For the remission of sins. I take you back now to Luke 24, verse 47, to where Jesus told them, Repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Acts 2 and verse 38 parallels beautifully with what Jesus said in Luke 24, verse 47. Because as they were preaching Jesus Christ, then they had to acknowledge what Christ had taught them. And when they asked what to do, they gave the hope that Jesus instructed within them. There were many other words preached between verses 39 
and 40. But listen to what happened in verse 41 of Acts 2. Then those that gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. They were added by obedience to God and not chosen by man. They asked what to do. Peter told them what to do, and they did it. And by doing so, they were able to fulfill what Jesus said would be and what the prophets of God said would be. How beautiful this is to see how this just lays out so perfectly. Purposed in the mind of God, brought forth by the prophets of God, and we find Jesus teaching and instructing the hope for man through the church. How do we know that? I take you to the end of Acts chapter 2 and verse 47, because there's that word church. People who were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Those that had repented and were baptized, as commanded in Acts 2.38, that's correct. Those that responded in Acts 2 verse 41, that's correct. That day when 3,000 souls were added, and in verse 47 we find there were others added to the church daily, those who were being saved. You see, when we're obedient to the gospel of Christ, we are added to the church. How beautiful that is. There's no voting that will take place. There will be no board that will decide what we will do. We were able to go to the Bible and the Bible alone and learn about the church and to be a part of that church of which they were a part of in the days of Acts chapter 2. You know, some years ago there was a television show that had a man going back traveling in time. I would love to travel back in time on the day of Pentecost and ask them when they repented and they were baptized, I would love to ask them, now what church have you been added? Well, they would look and say the only church that we would know is the church that Jesus said he would build. Can you grasp, dear friends, there were no denominational bodies on the day of Pentecost? That people didn't pick what denomination they wanted to be a part They trusted within the salvation of Christ and were added to the church that Jesus brought forth. This is exciting, dear friends, and I hope that you're enjoying this study with me. May I pause for just a moment, and I want to come back and conclude this study about the church. I really appreciate you listening today. I appreciate you taking time to listen to these things and to take the Bible and to consider these factors I'd like for you to join us and follow us on social media. Would you go on Facebook and like us, International Gospel Hour, right there on Facebook. Hit the like, the follow button, and stay with us, and we'll tell you of the things that are coming forth. You can also follow us at Instagram at International Gospel Hour. Also, if you're on Twitter, at our underscore gospel. You can keep up with our latest works, our plans, and when the International Gospel Hour is in your area on the radio or if we're traveling and speaking somewhere nearby. We would love to see you. We thank you for joining us. And now, let's conclude our study on the church we read of in the Bible. The church we read of in the Bible was promised by Jesus Christ. 
In Matthew, the 16th chapter, beginning with verse 16, Simon Peter answered Jesus and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, shall not prevail against it. I love those three verses, especially where Simon Peter, in seeing the living of Christ, his life and his action, was convinced he was the Christ, the Son of the living God. He saw it. He knew it. And Jesus even told him, flesh and blood had not revealed it, but his Father in heaven. Then he tells Peter that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Now, he could not build the church on Peter, as Peter was simply a man. But he sure could build it on the solid foundation that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the rock. That's the foundation of which Peter said that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And dear friends, being built on that, Jesus as the Son of God is the only one that God gave authority to build his church. Notice that Jesus said on this rock, the solid rock, that I am the Christ, the Son of God. I will build my church. I will build the called out. I will build the assembled together. I will build those lives of those that will come out of the world and will come unto me. That foundation, that solid foundation, the confession, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. I love the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning with verse 10, when Paul said, According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take ye how he builds on it. For no other foundation can any one lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. When Paul said to the church at Corinth there, I have laid the foundation. When he went into the city of Corinth in Acts the 18th chapter, he preached Jesus Christ. He laid the foundation. This is the Son of God. This is the one in whom God purposed the church. This is the one in whom the prophets spoke of the church. This is the one that promised to build his church. Paul said, I've got no other authority. I have no other power. I've got to take heed how I build on this. I'm going to lay the foundation of Jesus Christ. That is how the church is to be built upon Christ. We build the church upon Christ and certainly not upon man. Any man that is a founder of a church does not have the authority to be the founder of his church. He can found, if you will, or he can establish anything he wants. But, dear friends, let me ask you, do we want to put our trust in the foundation of man or the foundation that is no other foundation other than Jesus Christ? You see, when I open the Bible, it tells me of which I can be certain and which I can be sure. Let's think about what we've discussed today. Dear friends, first of all, before time began, before God said, let there be light, the church was in his mind and in the purpose of Jesus Christ. The church was not an afterthought of God. 
The church was not something that God thought of when all the commands and all the things throughout the Old Testament did not work. No, my friends, the church was purposed. It was set in the mind of God before time began. That's the church that I want to be a part. Before the church came into existence, the prophets of God spoke of it through inspiration. They told us of the glory and the good things that we would see. To God be the glory, great things He hath done, and His prophets penned it by inspiration, consistent teaching, and let us know about the church. And then through Jesus Christ, the promise was made to build His church, that upon the solid foundation that He was the Son of God, and that He is the Son of God, on the right hand of the Father, Hebrews 1, that same church that was purposed in Christ Jesus, prophesied about Christ Jesus, He promised to build His church, and He brought it forth. Dear friends, the study of the church we read of in the Bible is an enriching study. It is a blessed study, and a study that we will continue within our next broadcast. Dear friends, I can share with you, with great confidence in God and His Word, that you, our friends, can find that same church today. You and I can find that same church, the church we read of in the Bible. And then when we see other buildings today that mention church, we're able to take the Bible and make that our test. We don't go to look for churches that will satisfy us. We want to look for the church that we read of in the Scripture, and God says, I will see to it, it will satisfy you. Again, dear friends, we can find that same church today. We'd love for you to reach out to us here at the International Gospel Hour and let us help you as you pursue that direction. We will help you find a church of Christ in your community, and we will help you in the study of God's Word as we press along. Dear friends, thank you for joining me today on the International Gospel Hour. Again, I'm Jeff Archie, and dear friends, keep listening. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We hope, first, that it glorified God. But second, we hope that it edified you. Listen to it again if you need to, or to other lessons in this series by going to the Media tab at our site, internationalgospelhour.com. Oh,